Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I'm Chad Norman, Internet Marketing Manager at BlackBot, and your host for this nonprofit technology podcast. This is episode 20 for November 25th, 2008. One week ago today, we wrapped up BlackBot's 2008 Conference for Nonprofits here in Charleston. Since everyone on today's panel was actually at the event, I thought we'd spent most of the show in reflection. That's putting a little more bod in the podcast than usual, but I think there's a lot of audience that can learn from our experiences. Before we get on to the BBCon breakdown, I'd like to introduce today's panel. Joining us from sunny Daniel Island, we have Steve McLaughlin, the Director of Internet Solutions and freshly minted N10 board member. Welcome, Steve. Hey, Chad. Hey, welcome back. Congrats on the uh, appointment to the board. All very excited Thanks. about that. You can find Steve at blackbot.com slash connections and twitter.com slash smclaughlin. Coming back to us for the, I don't know, 900th, 1,000th time is Garrett Keating, the senior web developer from the United States Naval Academy Alumni Association and Foundation. Welcome back, Garrett. Thanks, Chad. Are you Skyping in from your iPhone yet? I am not. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> All right, we'll get into that in a few I'm minutes. Skyping in iOS. <laughs> ah, even better. You can check out Garrett at customizingnetcommunity.com or twitter.com slash slack. Joining us from the Chesapeake Bay Foundation, we have Michael Sola, the Director of Information Technology. Welcome back, Michael. Thanks, Chad. Nice to be here. Yeah, great to have you. How's the bay today? It looks a little choppy, actually. It's windy and chilly out here. It's very seasonal. You can find Michael's work at uh, cbf.org or twitter.com slash michaelsola. Coming back to us again is Danielle Brigida, the Associate Operations Coordinator for the National Wildlife Federation in Reston, Virginia. Welcome back, Danielle. I never left, Chad. I know. We, uh, yeah, I've got some sort of auto start on my PC here that just logs you right <laughs> into Skype. So we love having you on the show, and thanks for coming back today. Thanks for having me. You can find a lot of Danielle's amazing work at nwf.org, and you can follow her at twitter.com slash starfocus. We have a rookie today, a newbie, coming to us live from the West Coast. It's Joe Meehan, the manager of database administration at the Milken Institute. Welcome, Joe. Hey, thanks. How's it going out there in L.A. today? Uh, it's it's a beautiful, sunny 71 degrees. So can't, can't really complain too much. Making the rest of the country very jealous. Joe can be found at the milkeninstitute.org or at twitter.com slash Meehan. All right, with the formalities out of the way, I just thought we'd uh, jump right into talking about the conference. Like I said, it's a little more BlackBot focused than normal, but we were all there. We all got to see some amazing content, meet some amazing people, so... I thought our audience would be able to really learn from some of our experiences. I wanted to start off right off the bat by, uh, you know, congratulating Garrett for uh, winning the BlackBot Developer Network Challenge. Congrats, Woo-hoo. Garrett. Hip, oh. hip, hooray. Thank you. Thank you. Job yes. well done. Absolutely. Very amazing. I thought you might want to take a couple minutes and uh, tell us about uh, developing the app. Absolutely. Well, the, uh, the contest was um, to develop a custom park for Net Community that utilized uh, some of the open platform, um, as well as other technologies mashed up into, you know, something cool. It was an open source project, so um, at some point in the future, uh, as I understand it, the app and all the entries will be available on labs to download. My challenge was to basically make it as extensible as possible so anyone can just plug it into their net community environment and uh, go to town with it. Now, the app I designed was, uh, I called it Events to Google Maps. In a nutshell, what it allows you to do is uh, take an event that's inside the razor's edge and um, you pop the location uh, field that's in that record. And on the front end inside that community, you can select the event. It looks up the address, geocodes it, and puts it on a map that you can display on the on the uh, front end to a user. 
Um, you can do multiple maps. Um, you can also include like a link to a registration page or, you know, some other stuff. So it's, it's just a lot of fun. I did it on a vacation. It took me about 20 hours or so to develop. But uh, it was a good time. I really enjoyed it. Very cool. I mean, I really like the uh, like Google Map mashup technology. I mean, I think it's something a lot of nonprofits can use. How are you guys using it there? Uh, we're currently using Google Maps. Uh, we call it a classmate map. Um, it's basically a uh, tool that allows alumni that are logged in to uh, view the location of other classmates, in their, obviously in their class, that are in that community. Um, we obviously honor privacy and things like that, but assuming that the class, if classmate is a, a member of that community, then uh, that they'll be available for their classmates to see. Um, another iteration that will be out shortly is uh, a modified alumni lookup that we have that um, has a list view uh, similar to the net community directory part, but then it also uh, allows you the ability to pop the information on a map if you want to. Very cool. Same idea, just a little bit, little more comprehensive. Right. Yeah, maps are great. Well, we use a, we have a green living guide um, at Go Green Charleston that we do a it's pretty simple um, Google work with. Uh, how about anybody else on the panel? Is anybody else using any kind of uh, mapping or geocoding um, to go along with their fundraising efforts online? I've done some stuff where I've taken from my development directors if they if they're traveling, they go to San Francisco or they're in New York, and I'll take a list of our supporters or people that they're going to meet with and then upload them to Google Maps so they can literally even on their mobile devices, be able to see on a map, kind of map out their list of appointments. Mm-hmm. Especially in New York, it's nice to be able to kind of work from one, you know, from the bottom of Manhattan all the way up as far as appointments to kind of see where people are as far as their businesses and then their, their residents. So it's helpful in the way of booking their appointments. On um, NWF's Wildlife Watch, we have everything organized by where you are. So if you see a bird in Virginia, you can kind of record that way. And we've also done some map mapping technology, though I am not at all pro at this like Garrett, but um, we've done it with our Great American Backyard Campout, where people put in their data and then it kind of goes into a map. And I think that's really popular right now, exposing your data kind of and showing it to people, being very transparent. Now, someone brought up privacy concerns. I mean, is that something you consider when doing these sort of things or is it uh, is this sort of data that's harmless? Yeah, this is, I mean, for us at least, it was all just data that, um, I mean, it was very, like, bland. Like, it didn't have their name or anything. It just had where they were. Gotcha. Garrett, I was going to ask, I'm just curious, because I know your your blog got mentioned a few times at the event. I'm just kind of curious uh, how your blog traffic has been since uh, since you won this prestigious award. It has actually increased um, two levels, probably double what I would see after a, a, a normal post. So if, a, if I posted a post today, tomorrow, the... Google Analytics would show X number of hits, and I got about double that. Great. Do you, th- you think there's a lot of interest in the developer community that you know you're in touch with regarding not necessarily this contest, but just uh, you know the Net Community's Open API and, and all that good stuff? Yeah. Well, one of the things that uh, I, I spoke a little bit about to different people at the conference um, was what this contest really represents, and it, it's sort of a new direction for BlackBot as a whole to develop this community around the open open platform even more than they already have. And they've made you guys have made leaps and bounds in the last year with your offerings in that regard. So this contest kind of represents that in a lot of ways. And um, you know, moving forward with Infinity and things like that, it seems like the support that's going to be available for developers is a lot more than than it was two, two and a half years ago when I started. Yeah, I definitely think there's some changes and obviously we've been trying to work on that, but I think one of the things I picked up on from the conferences, I think a lot of nonprofits and, and people who work for them and with them are still trying to wrap their head around all this technology change. I know a big part of Mark Chernon's opening 
session was about how much technology changes and the impact that that has. But a lot of these concepts like open APIs and, and converging systems, people sort of, you know, say, okay, I understand where this is going, but they, they still struggle with some concepts. I mean, we often have, we have discussions with people about developing, you know, custom parts, building things. They're still very caught up in the old software world of if I do something custom, it's sort of bolt on, it lives outside of the system. That sort of 80s, 90s way of, of doing custom software development versus really what our open API platforms allow you to do, which is you can build something and the thing that you build can be a unique and beautiful thing, as Sean Sullivan likes to say, and it can live inside of the the software platform just like it was something that Blackbot developed. And I think that's it's almost one of these things people don't believe you until they see that in action. So having you know developers out there in the field like Garrett and other people who develop stuff, I think help bring bring home this concept for people who are still trying to wrap their head around it a little bit. And and if I can uh, just kind of piggyback off that, uh, when I came back and started talking about to some of the folks here who hadn't gone to the conference about the possibilities and what we can do with this, the general question came up was, well, who would do this work? And, and, and I think that was probably something that I've, I've heard repeatedly throughout a lot of the contact I had even within the, at the conference was, you know, I don't have a developer on staff. I don't have a uh, someone who's tech savvy enough. And, and I guess for, for those organizations who don't have those developers, you know, in place, that might be something that they're going to be asking questions. Who do I turn to? Who is doing this kind of work who can get this stuff integrated into my uh, web platform? Because that, that seems that that would take a lot of organizations past that point. No, it's a really good point. Someone brought up the evolution of what we're going to see. And I'm kind of curious just uh, what kind of apps we think we'll see by this time next year. Not even necessarily on the Net Community platform, but just in general. What kind of bolt-on technologies are people really going to be looking towards migrating onto? I mean, I can second that. I think the Blackbug culture has been very much, I mean, it's always been very pro-client, but they're very much embracing, and I think Steve said it, that, you know, the donors are now in charge. And they're kind of dictating how some of the nonprofits really work and react. And I think there's so many more avenues of reaching out, but also listening and getting feedback from your donors that I think some of the, some of the applications I would like to see by this time next year are ways to capture the various methods of communications, whether it's it's tracking all the stuff in Facebook, it's it's you know whether it's it's Twitters or it's emails or any of that type of information. There's so many different ways for people to get involved with an organization now that it's no longer just a phone call or an email or a letter. That I think it's there's the application is to be able to really how to capture and look at your your constituents on a on a much more in depth level. I personally think. Um in the future, I'd like to see a lot more uh, interaction where people are, social networks being what I'm thinking of in this. But at the conference, some Facebook tools were released, and I think that's a, a huge step in the right direction because we, we all know a lot, and I'm sure we all do it, spend a lot of time on Facebook ourselves. Um, and I think the easier it is and the more tools that are out there that allows organ- allow organizations to be there among their constituents um, in a very natural way, would be huge. And I, I really think that's the direction we're going to start see, seeing things move in, in the near future. Back to Michael's point about who does this stuff. I mean, I think that's that's always been the challenge with technology, right? When, when database-driven systems first came out, I'm sure there was somebody in an office who said, who will be our database administrator? We don't have anybody like that. And lo and behold, over the years, that role has emerged in an organization. And the first time people started using high-volume direct mail, mail merge, 
techniques and technologies. Somebody probably said, how do I do segmentation on this level? Who does that type of stuff? And today, it's there's open API tools. Who can build these tools? I mean, I, I think this is part of the changing landscape from a from a corporate perspective, we realize this is sort of this is where the future is going, and and building a set of tool sets that at least give customers the capability to do this, you know, and 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 realizing that in the first few years it will be the more cutting edge or the more progressive organizations that embrace it, but those will be the ones that that sort of lead the way and show other organizations what's possible. The the tricky part with all software development is. You have to do a certain amount of looking around the corner instead of just looking two feet in front of you and seeing what's going to come up next. And that's been a, certainly a big part of, of what we've done on the Infinity platform and on all the API stuff ahead of it, which is to look around the corner about what's the next big sort of technology movement and, and how do we start making investments in that to be ready for it, as opposed to just trying to make crystal reports easier or can't you do this within query? There's a quote that Henry Ford used to use, which was, you know, if I asked my customers what they wanted, they would tell me a faster horse, right? <laughs> they wouldn't have asked for the automobile. Right. And and there are some things like this where, you know, we do try and look out and start developing things and make things progressive. And the reality is we've been working on these APIs for a while. We're now seeing them be adopted by by organizations, and, and I think you'll only see more of that in the future. Garrett brought up Facebook. What about this Facebook developer toolkit that was announced by Sean during the keynote? See, can you give us a little overview about what's going to happen with that toolkit? Uh, sure. It's um, the Facebook um, application toolkit. We've released it on labs.blackbaud.com, and essentially what we've done is put together some samples of code for, for customers to download and use that shows how they can use um, the framework for, for building an application on Facebook, but we've pre-wired a lot of functionality that interacts with both Net Community and the Razor's Edge because really what we've seen, uh, the most successful nonprofits using the social networks are the ones that are able to drive action and drive data, and, and this is a way of giving a head start to some customers to start thinking about what, where, what they could build online and um, the tools to do it. Are you sort of looking to sort of do looking. more things with applications in Facebook? Is that part of your strategy going forward? Well, I mean, I think for in 2009, I'm definitely looking at talking with my communications and media department of how many different ways we can reach people and, and then also not overloading people. But I guess kind of not only, you know, if you build it, they will come, but I guess honoring the best method of communication for them. So if we get somebody from Facebook, maybe that's how we communicate with them so we don't send them emails and letters and do the same thing, but kind of kind of talk with them on on their terms and and to provide the content that they need you know through the the communications that they've requested so that's kind of something we're looking forward you know towards in in the next year to really roll out the different methods of communications i will say i have experimented with the national wildlife federation um in making a facebook app and it was a little bit (laughs) it was pretty complicated i mean if you've ever tried to do it it's a bit complicated so it's really good that you guys are kind of helping bridge that gap by making it for net communities because it's it's hard because even after you make the app, you still have to push it out and you still have to be servicing some kind of need. And that, I think, is what a lot of organizations should realize is like, what are you kind of doing right. with the Facebook app? Well, I think everybody's looking at, you know, we've, we've had Jonathan Coleman out here talking about Little Green Patch and then uh, there was the Sea Garden app. And since those first two, now I've seen it cloned several times. 
Is there a, any other metaphor that, that are sort of cool applications that nonprofits are using out there besides this sort of viral fenced-in area where you send it to everybody else and try to get something added to yours? No, it's a good question. It's, 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 it is a good question. And, and, and I think uh, it, it kind of goes to the, to the point of trying to, uh, like Danielle said, you know, what is a niche? What are you trying to, to really promote within your organization that an app you know, would, would fill? What need would it fill? And, and when we were talking about it this morning and, and looking at the application and the information that's on the labs, we had, you know, the two folks from our web team were, were like, wow, this is really cool. And, and, but what are we going to do with it? How are we going to really make that, you know, you know, part of, of what we're trying to accomplish here at the Bay Foundation? And, and I think we have a lot of uh, thinking to do in, in that process. Yeah. I don't know if you guys saw it, but we have an EPA Facebook application or it's like the stop global warming application uh, yeah. on facebook and oh, i saw um, that so nice and, you know it's a, it's a great application we have less than a thousand people using it and it, we don't really know why and sometimes it just doesn't really take off and I, I don't i don't know i think if you look at little green patch and you you say to yourself like what made that work you could never in a million years predict that that would have worked Agreed. in my so the lack of num like the lack of people actually succeeding using a Facebook app should always kind of come into play, you know, because it sounds really cool to say, oh, we're using a Facebook app, it's going to be awesome. But you really have to put just as much time into marketing it, um, or pushing it out to people and making it worthy of the cause. I think people definitely need to be careful to to just think that doing any one of these things is a silver bullet or a golden hammer. For what they're what they're trying to accomplish, it just, just doesn't work that way. And I think, you know, folks like National Wildlife Federation and, and the work that Danielle's done there and other nonprofits, I think what they found is it's not just one thing; it's a combination of multiple things and trial and error and, and testing some stuff out. And there's no sort of just add water formula, you know, Absolutely. in the early days of doing this. And um, but there, the the opportunity is 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 huge. Absolutely, you know it, Steve. and you know what as a as a facebook user i look to my friends and see what they do i mean i get you know requests for all the weird you know movie trivia questions and those applications i usually turn that stuff off and i don't you know add those applications but for causes and if it's for people like the panel here today I mean, I, I, I can see when Danielle joins something, I'm like, oh, that's probably something I want to be in, right. too, and that's something that's probably aligned with me. So, I mean, if you look at my Facebook profile and you look at my causes and, and my groups, that's a pretty good biography of what kind of constituent I would be, and you can kind of see how I would align with the things that might be worthwhile for your cause. So I think it's it's interesting that not only can you build it, but then you like you do have to have people out there virally spreading it and seeing where it goes from there. Very cool. I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the sessions at the conference as well, since four out of six of us here actually presented. I wanted to kind of just throw it out there and kind of see what everybody thought people were really connecting with this year. I think, uh, you know, we I had liked, a- I liked Steve. <laughs> Steve sessions were the best. More Steve, more Steve. Flattery <laughs> will get you, flattery will get you nowhere. Right. You right. did, you did pull flattery back a little bit. Flattery is the sincerest form of mocker. Right. Right now, how, well, how we all did sorry, Twitter sorry. while you were speaking, so we were all twittering we about were. your session in the session as you were talking about during it, the so. session. Absolutely, I, I think you probably had the most tweets. Is that a sign of the apocalypse the or tweets. what? It could be. <laughs> well, it definitely <laughs> shows that a lot of people are really into uh, you know social media and social networking for sure. And I, I almost kind of left the conference thinking that we didn't have enough 
social media content. Yeah. Um, it, it was during your session, Steve. I actually made, I heard somebody laugh in the session. And then I saw the tweet respond. Solo just made me laugh, twittering about Garrett's head. Because you, you had shown his website. And I think I posted something along the lines of, oh, great. Another Navy, uh, webpage. Garrett's going to need a new hat. Right. <laughs> and, and, but, but it was funny because, you know, people were obviously engaged in that. And I think it's a, you know, it, it changed the landscape because now, now you're, as you're speaking and as you're, you're presenting this kind of information, you know, you know, you've got people who are not only in the audience, but they're sharing that outside of the audience. And that really changes the perspective of, of, of who you're talking to in your face. Yeah, there's something yeah, the old about school was, was multitasking, yeah. right? But yeah. I think new school is multi-channeling <laughs> where you're doing all this stuff all at the same time. Yeah, and we had so many people during our session um, ask us about Twitter. You know, we just got to almost just a, a standstill for about 20 or 25 minutes. I'm thinking uh, one of us needs to actually come up with an all-Twitter session and actually present that. I think I, you know, I got so, uh, from participating in the N10 planning meeting where they're sort of on social media overload, uh, I think it, with that crowd and at that event, that uh, I think our audience still really needs a lot of it. Is there anything else that was sort of missing from the event? Was anybody uh, hoping they had caught something else? I must admit, I liked having the the flash drive with all the PowerPoints, you know, available and given to me because on my flight back, I got to go through and look at PowerPoints and presentations that either I didn't attend or used as a reference later on so I could kind of make some notes of some action items to follow up on when I got back. I thought some of the, I think, I think there's, there were a lot of good, like, marketing sessions at the conference. I think there's this, like, dearth of kind of, like, high-end level Razor's Edge users who know how to use it pretty well and kind of looking for, like, some better tips and tricks and, and some, you know, maybe user feedback that doesn't quite exist there. And then, of course, then everybody was always, everybody was very gaga about, you know, looking at Infinity and seeing how that would, you know, and everybody was like, well, when is that coming out? That that seemed to be the feedback I got from most of the people who came up to me or people I talked to about the you know the conference. Right, <clears throat> Danielle, uh, Michael, any of uh, any favorite sessions from you guys that you attended? I was really impressed with the quality of those sessions. Um, I went to every single one I went to. I found like some takeaway. Um, one of my favorite ones was something along the lines of twenty five takeaways for fundraising. I really liked that one, and I don't fundraise at all, but. Um, I like that they focused on, you know, content and creative ways to push it out. And, you know, I, I was impressed. I'll say that. I, I think for me, it was uh, the, the Cool Tools session that Andrew Musawi did, even even though I, mean, I, I ended up missing the session. I couldn't get into the session I wanted to. And so, so I was looking for a place to just sort of had a comfortable chair and ended up in the, in the Performing Arts Center. And, and, and there was Andrew, and I had never seen him speak before, and he was very uh, impressive. And, and I thought I wasn't going to learn anything, but I walked out of that going, wow. Um, I, I picked up a lot of information based on, uh, on his presentation and, and stuff that I was able to bring back again to the organization uh, and say, hey, look at this stat, look at this page, look at, you know, that, that type of information. I think that's what we all get out of these uh, sessions at the conference. There's always one little niche. There's always one little, you know, piece of information, whether it be a conversation, whether it be a contact or, or a PowerPoint or whatever that, that just sort of makes it all come together and worthwhile. Yeah. If there's, a, if there's one, one way to describe Andrew, it's uh, comfortable. It's very, very easy to listen to him speak. 
It's the accent. It is the accent. But and, uh, didn't he, yeah, he had a Twitter malfunction, I think, in the middle of that, too, I think, right when he was talking about Twitter. He, he did. Uh, he did, actually. That's right. What a shame. We don't get fail well often, but uh, that was bad timing. A Twitter malfunction. <laughs> well, as, as comfortable as that session was, I found that there were a lot of people in the PCI compliance session right. that they never – this was the first time they saw it, and they were, like, looking at it, and this was, like, doomsdays coming down to, you know, and – there's some pretty serious, you know, implications if they don't become compliant. And as a, you know, a nonprofit in California, our deadline is earlier than the rest of the country. So there are a lot of people there who are like, we really have to be on the ball and get this stuff done right away. Yeah, we noticed so, that too. That, that PCI stuff's big time. Those sessions were packed. It's like our fourth most popular blog. I, so I think we're actually going to do an all PCI podcast coming up soon. Because again, I think people, it is sort of a, it's coming quickly, isn't it? People need to yeah, get ready. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's right around the corner for me. Yeah. It's like a lesson month away. Oh, boy. So. Yeah. Are you guys ready? We're working on it. <laughs> <laughs> We're going through all the slides and seeing who we need to talk okay. to. Okay. So all right. We'll, well, finally, on sessions, um, I just wanted to get, get a sense of what everybody thought of Peter Thumb's keynote address. I mean, uh, it's definitely a well-polished uh, presentation. And I just was wondered, kind of wondered what everybody sort of thought his uh, the impact was on people in the audience. When Peter was uh, talking, I mean, a couple of things that he was uh, referring to, you know, my son and I were having this conversation over, you know, just having that vision of it, you know, is there an idea that you just take and you work it hard and, and no matter what you, uh, uh, what it costs, you know, you, you do it. And he was relaying that, that time between when he had the idea of Ethos and then actually, you know, brought it into uh, production and, and how long it, that, that process went. I mean, th there was a real passion there. There was a real commitment there. And that was something that, uh, uh, that, that I thought resonated. Uh, I, I was surprised that, um, um, when when I went online on his Facebook page and and so on, uh, I I thought for sure there'd be a real big spike of users, and and I'm not sure if that hasn't happened yet, or if there weren't enough people in on Facebook or in, uh, or at the conference who uh, um, who remembered to do that, but but we did it, and uh, uh, and we all got personal messages back from him that uh, that continued the connection process, and I thought that was a uh, uh, a lot of value to that. He did join Twitter while he was at the conference. I did notice that. Did he? Yeah, that was kind of cool. All right, um, Steve, I did want to talk a little bit about vendors. I wanted to start with you as well because I know you've been working a little bit with the Free Cause team. Um, yeah. And I actually was going to interview them uh, for the podcast, and just that was something that just dropped off my schedule. So I was kind of wondering what they were up to. I never got a real, real chance to talk to them. So, yeah, we've been um, talking with uh, the folks at Free Cause for quite a while. And just a bit of background, they are a technology shop that was spun out of MIT. Um, has some pretty sharp people there, and uh, they originally got their start with working with Susan G. Komen and doing some online stuff with Facebook, the, the, the pink ribbon campaign. And what they've developed is a solution that allows you to manage your presence on multiple social networks, you know, MySpace, Facebook, Orchid, all that that kind of thing, through a single interface. But they're also doing some pretty cool stuff with with a toolbar concept that allows charities that use it to get donations as part of people going about doing what they would normally do, which is search. And we've been working with them on integrating part of their application to both Net Community and the Razor's Edge because, um, you know, probably talked about this before, but the whole notion to be able to manage this stuff across the multiple social networks and then eventually drive them into your own community site, we think is a is a win-win opportunity and is just another facet of, of how BlackBot is looking at its answer for social networks. I um, was talking with a, with a customer the other day about this, and 
what I try to convey to them is it's not, again, and it's not just what BlackBot is doing and what is BlackBot building, but the notion of we even need to reach out and have tools and partners out there in the market that are working on other parts of sort of the social media ecosystem that it, it can't necessarily just be us, but it's a different game where there are other players out there who are doing really innovative stuff and our ability to work with them and partner with them and using our API technology, other kinds of things to help benefits, benefits customers. So um, looking forward to, to being able to show some stuff that they've been working on pretty soon here. Right. Yeah. I just was really impressed with all the technology floating around the, the marketplace for sure. And uh, definitely got to give a shout out to multicast and their uh, Vitigo technology for, helping us live stream the uh, keynote. It was really cool that we were able to do that and actually got a lot of people to watch and uh, just another fun way to sort of uh, network with people that weren't at the event. So. Yeah, there were a lot of people yeah. on the on Twitter and a bunch of other places that were, talk, that were watching it remotely and right. I think got some value out of it. So. Right. right. Yeah, I signed up for Ustream because of the oh, conference. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ustream's a great technology. I, I had fun talking about it. We, you know, we streamed about six or seven sessions. Definitely had a, a few hundred viewers there. We had a few thousand on the uh, multicast keynote, of course, but uh, I think that was a much bigger audience and on the front page of blackbot.com. So that always helps. But, uh, you know. On yeah. a personal note, it was nice to meet everybody who I've met via social networking, Facebook and Twitter and all these other things to kind of actually meet you guys in person yeah, and no, sit no, down no. and have face to face talks. That was nice. Isn't it weird, here, like here. meeting people and it just feels like, uh, you know, you've really known them. You know what I mean? Like with everybody, all of you, uh, it was, uh, this has got to be some new phenomenon. Someone needs to name it. Um, you know, Ooh, let's yeah, talk be first, some... first life. Face chat. <laughs> first life. Face chat. Ah. Yeah, personal. Yeah. Real life. That's right. Uh, I, in fact, I think Steve's the only guy I didn't get a chance to see because he was always surrounded by people. But yeah, and I was like, and I got to meet Garrett and he's like, yep, I don't always wear the hat. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> And, I only you know, know I you by your profile photo. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I didn't get to meet Garrett. Uh, yeah, you know, you, yeah. after you won I'll that award, you too. disappeared, Garrett. I think you were in, like, uh, you know, they had you in the green room or something. We had him in the interview circuit. Was, yeah, right. I actually ran. <laughs> I actually ran. <laughs> Doing a book tour? Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, let's just do some shout-outs here, and uh, we'll call it a podcast. Um, start with you, Steve. You got anything uh, you'd like to share with our audience? Sure. A uh, couple things. Notice that... Um, our friends at uh, N10 just released the 2008 Donor Management Software Satisfaction Survey. Over a thousand people from across different nonprofits giving their comments and feedback about all the the donor management solutions out there in the market. So check that one out. Uh, RE is is a big part of that um, survey, but um, always important to see what's going on in the rest of the industry. Very good. Anything else? Michael, what do you have for us? Anything going on with CBF? Um, yeah, we, we actually got some big uh, national news when, when we decided to uh, file an intent to sue the EPA for their delay in the uh, uh, Chesapeake uh, Agreement uh, that's supposed to help uh, the Clean Water Act. And, and there's a lot of uh, information on our website as far as how people can get involved and, and, and share their uh, concerns over a lack of, of movement on the part of the EPA, and, and we've got a lot of partnerships for the first time. You know, groups that have never associated with CBF before are, are standing with us, and it's very exciting to see that in the community. It's a great cause, and I definitely check it out at uh, www.cbf.org. Garrett, how's the new hat? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I only have one thing. Go Navy, beat Army. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's right, Army-Navy game this weekend, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's the sixth. It's the sixth. 
Okay. It's nice to actually have somebody to root for in that game. You know, I've been, it's been on my entire life and now I actually have some sort of connection with the Navy. So, all right, Danielle, do you have anything cool going on up there at NWF? Two things that aren't really necessarily the organization's priority, but there are two things that I'm kind of working on. Um, causes just released petitions. Okay. Um, which is a neat thing. So I created a, a petition and if you want to find it, find me on Facebook. Um, um, basically, I'm going to be pushing that out a lot. And then also, I'm trying to get people to tweet the wildlife they see and hashtag it wildlife. And so you'll be seeing a blog post about that. That's but yeah, cool. just if you're like on, on your way to work and you see a hawk or something, if you tweeted at NWF, it could be fun. Nice. So I'm always snapping shots of uh, critters running around my house. So. Yeah. Well, you, you should tweet it to NWF because we want to know. All right. So. Cool. Well, thanks for that. Who's left? Who do we have left? Joe, what do you have for us going on at the Milken Institute? Uh, we're gearing up to kind of really start pushing for our global conference, which is in the end of April of 2009, which I know seems far away, but it's right around the corner for us. Okay. It's our big flagship event. We have you know about 3,000 of the best and brightest minds and coming to speak on finance and philanthropy and publishing and media and healthcare. So we're ramping up registration for that. So that's kind of our big focus right now. All right. Uh, well, for me, I've got something coming out of Go Green Charleston. We've got a green hotel roundup coming out of the Charleston area, which is kind of a, we want to do a baseline look at how green the hotels were downtown. I'll give you a preview of the results. Not very green. So, you know, I kind of got sick of comparing our hotels to those in Vancouver and San Francisco and even Montreal. So now we'll have a good baseline going forward and we can uh, start advocating that they uh, try to green up their act a little yep. bit downtown. So, All right. Uh, does anybody have any uh, tech news you need to talk about? Does Jonathan Coleman leaving Nature Conservancy qualify as tech news here? In the I would say sad news. Yeah, definitely sad news. But I'm sure REI will uh, appreciate it. He's not dying. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> be around. I refuse to, yeah. to be something. Yeah, no, I have I a need him, I need him to be alive and well on Twitter. Yes, so. I don't think he'll he's He'll be going. back. Absolutely. He will be back. That's exactly the way he'll I feel. <laughs> well, that does it for this episode of the podcast. I'd like to thank our guests, Steve McLaughlin, Garrett Keating, Michael Sola, Daniel Brigida, and Joe Meehan. You can keep up with the podcast and other webby things by following me on Twitter at twitter.com slash chadnorman or by checking out my blog at blackbot.com slash webby things. If you have any feedback for us, we'd love to feedback hear it. Send us, send us an email at thebodcast at blackpod.com. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. So until then, have a happy Thanksgiving. And I'm Chad Norman. Thanks for listening to The Podcast. Ironic that you had feedback about feedback. feedback. Did you hear that? that was very clever. Yeah, that was pretty that was nice timing. You know, I'm going meta. It's all good. <laughs> this one goes to 11. Yes. It's one more. I guess the big question here is Are rickshaws really a good advertising vehicle? (laughs) (laughs) Only when it's 23 degrees outside